This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. After seven years, David Connell feels that progress is being made in his campaign to get the British government to change its approach to innovation. He wants this country to adopt the American method, the SBIR, or Small Business Innovation Research Programme, and senses that governmental interest is now growing. David Connell knows about innovation and funding. He is a senior research fellow at the Centre for Business Research at the Cambridge Judge Business School. Previously, he was the founding chief executive of TTP Ventures, the Cambridge-based venture capital fund specialising in early-stage science and technology-based ventures. His campaign, started in 2004, has included a submission to the inquiry being conducted by the House of Lords Select Committee on Science and Technology into procurement as a tool to stimulate innovation. There's wider interest too from the EU where the Commission has listened to his views and is responding positively. It's been a long journey, so what prompted it in the first place? I think really it's the observation over a period working in the technology sector and especially investing in in very new companies that the support that they had from government in undertaking R&D was really much less and also much less relevant than the support that the US government provides to small firms through its procurement programs. Is that the SBIR? That's right. SBIR stands for Small Business Innovation Research Programme, and uh, it's worth currently about $2.5 billion in the US. Uh, And the way it it works is that all US government agencies are required by law to define uh, areas where they believe they need new technology to uh, meet their policy objectives or improve their own operations. And once they've advertised those uh, those topics, uh, companies, in this particular case small companies, apply for them. Those that win uh, contracts are first win a $100,000 feasibility study, uh, and then roughly half of those go on to win uh, three quarters of a million dollar uh, study to or, or, or contract to develop technology to demonstrate or prototype stage. And I should say that whilst this is a substantial program, it's really just the first step on the ladder of procurement in the US. There are a number of programs that deliver very much more money in the form of contracts to businesses, especially small businesses. The research that you conducted covers a very broad area, and and, and you make the point that the entrepreneurial SMEs are very wary of becoming involved in the traditional multi-partner collaborative R&D programmes favoured by the government. That's right. In the UK and, and indeed in Europe, for, uh, for decades really, the model that government has used to fund R&D in industry is to fund projects involving a combination of universities and, and companies, sometimes very large consortia, especially under the EU programmes. And that's got a number of problems for for smaller businesses. First of all, because of issues like confidentiality and divergence of objectives, those programmes tend to be quite far from market, and that really isn't right for small businesses. Uh, Secondly, because of the number of parties involved, as I said, objectives can diverge, and project management can really be uh, quite weak. 
Thirdly, there are IP issues. And, and important as well is that small companies only receive a small part, typically 50% of their costs. And most small businesses aren't cash rich and don't have venture capital. So that really isn't appropriate for them. Whereas the US model uses contracts. So they are 100% funded, including a profit element. And they're also linked to real customer needs. So the best market research any company can have is a development contact from a customer. What you seem to be saying is that actually the system that we currently have, the traditional system here and in, in broader parts of Europe, doesn't encourage innovation, doesn't encourage entrepreneurs. I think the point is that uh, in many cases the benefits or the relevance is marginal or in some cases it's neutral. Uh, There is a particular problem with the EU projects because they're so complex and I, and I have to say as a VC... Any company that came to me uh, seeking to raise money that was either involved or planned to get involved in a, one of these complex EU programmes would probably receive a black mark, actually, as it's quite likely that that project would be a distraction from the real business of going out and winning customers. Can you take a little more time to go into the research that you uh, actually conducted, and including some of that around the Cambridge cluster? Yeah, well, I've, I've conducted two or three main pieces of work. The first is really looking in detail at how the US programme, which I described, works. And secondly, a very interesting, for me, piece of work with my colleague Jocelyn Probert, uh, looking at the use of development contracts with customers across different sectors in Cambridge uh, by companies to start and grow their businesses. And uh, what we found, in fact, was that... um, the majority of the most successful Cambridge technology uh, companies, certainly in engineering and physics, and to a large extent in also in the biotech centre, for, for the majority of those companies, actually the key source of, of innovation, if you like, of the business idea was not actually academic invention, as many people believe. It was solving customer problems. Secondly, we found that the key source of finance was not venture capital, as is, is, is generally believed, but funding from customers to uh, develop technology on their behalf, with VC either coming in not at all or, or perhaps later. And thirdly, as we discussed earlier, uh, there was not a lot of appetite actually amongst the many of the entrepreneurial successful companies to use these collaborative R&D programmes which I described earlier. So you exploded three myths, effectively. That's exactly right. The three major myths, really, which underpin policy thinking, certainly in the UK and actually elsewhere, and have done for for decades. You took the same message to an influential EU group in in Budapest recently. How did it go down with them? Well, I've been um, trying to persuade uh, the European Commission for a couple of years to uh, introduce a US-style SBIR programme. I was invited to give a speech at a meeting of the European Competitiveness Council in Budapest. So that's essentially a meeting of the member state industry ministers and uh, and also the vice president of the commission. I argued uh, along the lines we've just discussed, essentially that policy was based on these three major myths and that one of the best things that um, the EU could do would to be encourage development contracts by small businesses, indeed all businesses, would lead customers. It's clear that that plays a key role in growing new technology businesses. And that, that response was, was actually very well received. I had a, a number of comments from ministers and, and others. 
um, that this was the direction they would like to see policy moving. And indeed, the Commission has already made a strong in-principle commitment to adopt that kind of policy in the next European Framework Programme. So that's a major move forward? Hopefully. Hopefully. So progress was made, but was there any specific thing that you asked for? Well, what I believe is that the Commission should take a billion euros a year out of the next R&D programme, that's the FP8 programme, and use that to co-fund US-style SBIR programmes in individual member states. And there's a lot of interest in that particular idea. You've also been involved with the House of Lords, a select committee looking into innovation. How successful was your evidence for that? Well, we'll have to see. The, there has been a, a strong interest in using procurement to encourage innovation uh, within government for at least a decade, and many different reports and, and so on. Uh, we actually have in the, the, uh, in the UK now a small uh, programme similar to the US programme. It's called the Small Business Research Initiative, same letters, different order. It's worth around about 15 to £20 million pounds a year. Very, very successful. And it has the backing of the current government. Vince Cable has indicated that he would like to see that adopted by other departments. But progress has been slow. The House of Lords Select Committee undertook an inquiry starting in in the autumn, basically looking at this area, and published a report in May. I think it's a very good report. Uh, The conclusion that they came to was that the issue was one of cultural change, and, and they proposed that ministers should be given specific responsibility for procurement and innovation together within departments. My own view is that it's not really a cultural problem but a systems problem and my observation in trying to uh, encourage and, and, and advise government in introducing this kind of policy is that the real issue is that there are not individuals with responsibility for innovation within departments and those that want to play that role cannot find the budgets to do so. So the problem is really a budgetary problem and a responsibility problem. It's not really a cultural problem. So progress is being made, and I would imagine that the the coalition government is very much in favour of what you're talking about, because David Cameron did at the outset say that this is the age of innovation, that innovation is going to get this country out of the mess that it's in. That's absolutely correct. So there is is strong support in government for innovation, and um, the the champion within uh, the coalition in particular is Mark Brisk, the minister responsible for small business. The issue, I think, is what role that government should pay in terms of mandating departments to undertake this kind of activity and and actually ensuring that the budgets are there rather than the view that they currently seem to be taking, which is to encourage departments to work out their own solutions and find the budgets and the problem, I think, that is that with so much change going on in government departments, we have a strong danger that innovation, as so many times before, will fall to the bottom of the agenda and won't get the attention needed. David Connell, thank you for your time. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series. Thank you.